Welcome to Rising Stars, where Miriam Knight, publisher of New Consciousness Review, interviews exciting new voices in the world of progressive and transformational books, films, and ideas who offer intriguing perspectives on life, the universe, and everything in between. Join us as we celebrate the conscious awakening and explore many expressions of consciousness in action. Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and we have two very impressive guests with us today, Sister Judy Bisignano and Sandra Morse. Sister Judy is a Dominican nun, a pioneering educator who founded two alternative schools and a lifelong rebel. She has two master's degrees in biology and ecology and a doctorate in educational leadership and curriculum development. She helped author and publish 32 books for children and adults in subjects ranging from environmental and values education to aerospace and astronomy. Our other guest is Sandra Morse, a communications philosopher with a private practice in Tucson, Arizona. She holds a BA in philosophy and communication and is a certified mediator. Sandra will soon be guiding her 15th eco-retreat to the Amazon jungle for the Pachamama Alliance. She's been introducing visitors to the ecology of the rainforest and the spirituality of the Achuar people. Participants return home with a new perspective of their place on the planet and in the universe. Sister Judy and Sandra have collaborated on a book and DVD called Sister Jaguar's Journey that we will hear a lot about, and it is a fascinating compilation. I am so pleased to have them both with us today. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, goody, you're both there. Well, let us start with Sister Judy. Sister Jay, I was reading about the process of becoming a nun, and it reminded me of Hollywood depictions of boot camp. It sounded almost as brutal. Why did you stick it out? What were you hoping to find? Well, I uh, I didn't have the greatest childhood, and uh, and the nuns were wonderful to me when I was a, a kid. And I thought, well, I could just be one of them. That they they're happy, they're intelligent, they go to college, they uh, do great things in the world. I didn't realize that. Uh, the, the church at that time, I thought maybe my family was a little uh, traditional, but uh, the church was more than a little traditional. And I just never fit in. I, I just never found my my place in that in, 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 as, as a Catholic and hardly a, as a nun. And uh, I stayed because I didn't know what else to do. I thought I could fix them. There wasn't anything wrong with me. I could change them. And I could change the whole world at that age. You think you can. And I still think I can, unfortunately. And um, and I'm still a nun, and and it has its good points and and, and its rough spots, um, but I I don't regret the the path I've taken. Well, ironically, the brutality, the the, the anger that you stoked up during your childhood and during your novitiate probably fueled the passion with which you developed these forms of alternative education. So looking back on it, you know, it, it had its place. 
It did. I didn't know I was angry. I thought I was determined and, and uh, passionate. I had all wonderful words to describe it. And then more and more, I got more and more trouble and my friends were saying you know you're out you're out of touch you're out of control woman and uh i thought no no there's something wrong with everybody else and so finally <laughs> i went to sandra morris i went to sandra and i said sandra you know you know how to fix people all these people in my life are out, out of out of control what's wrong with all these people in my life sandra and so a little it only took about 30 seconds for her to say uh excuse me sister but you're the problem not all the people in your world and uh and uh yeah i think the path i was on led me yeah it all fits together that i needed uh to be i needed to find peace in a new place and i never would have found that without sandra morris well, Sandra, you're Sister Jay's friend and, and counselor. First of all, how did you get interested in the rainforest and the Achuar people? Well, um, that's a that's a longer story than I think the radio program has. But long story short, I started out by going to Guatemala, and I met the head of the Mayan Council of Elders, a beautiful man by the name of Don Alejandro Alhac Perez. And through that experience, he introduced me to the Pachamama Alliance, which then introduced me to the Achuar and the rainforest. And then they gave me the opportunity to guide people into the jungle. And now um, I'm guiding people on my own into the jungle. So it it uh, it was through originally through um, an opportunity I had to travel in Guatemala. And mm -hmm. it was um, a life changer, a game changer for me, um, the trip to Guatemala and consequently the trip to the rainforest. And why did you think that this would be so helpful for Sister Judy? Well, I knew that Sister Judy, more than having psychological difficulties, was having a difficulty almost like a soul sickness that um, we're human beings and the human part of us we're all the same you know we're here we live we're born we live we die but the being part of us is the more fascinating right we i say that we're we we're human cultivated ways of being you know we cultivate our being and whether it's through our experience or through our dna or through our environment you know we we be, we cultivate we practice being who we are and sister judy's anger more than an emotional expression became a practice a cultivated way of relating to the world through the lens of her anger and i knew that if i took her to the rainforest and she had some plant medicine that would help her soul heal that she would be have more freedom to be herself more access to herself more options rather than having this anger use her she could use the anger um, as needed to you know as a trajectory as a force of you know uh, good in the world rather than being used and being harmful so i mm -hmm. i thought you know she was old enough and smart enough and wise enough that if she had some way of transforming that herself she would have already and i knew that a little plant medicine would be very helpful for her how's now, that for new theology <laughs> We're going to get into that. I love it. <laughs> um, 
Sister Judy, you actually did find some profound transformation in the rainforest. And one of the external forms of transformation was the new name that you got, Sister Jaguar. How did that come about? Well, I've always had a problem with walking, and so I got to sit in this canoe with the two Atwar guides as the rest of the group went off on a on a two-hour hike. I'm sitting along the riverbank and minding my own business, and I hear this slosh, 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 and I look up, and here's this jaguar on the on the just probably 40 feet at most away from me, and it's got its eyes peeled into the into the jungle and pounces on this bird who died quickly for for the, all the right reasons, I guess. And um, <laughs> Jaguar turned around and sloshed off. And when no one, I'm glad the guides were there because no one would have believed my story when I when they got back. I said, oh, they said, well, how was it? And I said, oh, I just saw a jaguar, a big bird, and slosh off into the rainforest, you know. And and so it was a huge thing. No no white person or somebody from the north has ever seen a black jaguar in the jungle since since we've been going there since the year 2000. And uh, so I became a big shot. You know, everybody wanted to see Sandy, Sandra Morris before that, but now they wanted to see Sister Jaguar, Sister J. <laughs> and, and so I've been Sister Jaguar ever since. It fits. Well, it, it's nice that uh, both your, your name and Jaguar start with a J, so it, it all right. works beautifully. <laughs> yep. So... The the trip to the the Amazon. Uh, tell us about the Achuar people and what is the nature of the experience. One Can of I you, either of you, both yeah. of you. Well, the the the, uh, the Achuar, um, they're they um, they're a dream culture, so they have a different cosmology, a different idea of the world. They tend to their dreams, and they trend to their dreams individually and in the collective. So they're able to understand life through a continuum of time, you know. They, they understand they have a relationship with the past, and they have a relationship with the future that comes through the consciousness of the dream, through the pituitary gland, through the collective. And that's a, that's a very different understanding of the world than we do. It, it's hard to even begin to understand what that might mean um, to us to have that world, that purview, you know, that way of viewing the mm -hmm. world. Well, um, it sounds very much like the uh, Australian Aboriginal cosmology. What is the kind of experience, we're coming up to our break, so you have about a minute, what is the kind of experience that you offer the people that you bring into that community? We will take that up after the break. But I, I wanted to okay. get a flavor Certainly. for okay, great. the setting um, okay. and then uh, the nature okay. of the transformation. Okay. So we're speaking with Sister Judy Bizignano and Sandra Morse about Sister Jaguar's journey. Stay with us and we will be right back. So, Sandra, before the break, we were talking about the nature of the experience with the Achuar people. Uh, give us a flavor of what it's like. 
uh, the, uh, you know, the rainforest is commonly characterized as the heart of everything, the heart of Pachamama, the heart of Earth, one, the most biodiverse place on Earth. So just to be in the rainforest, you know, in the heart of everything, away from electric power lines, away from noise generated by fossil fuels, away from the kind of world that we surround ourselves in, in the United States, it's not that it's better than, it's just different, you know, and you, you're allowed, you go there and there's, your central nervous system settles, you know, you get relaxed, you're embraced by the sounds and the smells and the earth and the birds and all of the multiple, you know, living organisms in the rainforest. It's that, just that in and of itself is phenomenal. And then you have, you know, you have the opportunity to be in the presence of shamans, various different shamans, and shamanism is the oldest form of healing on earth, and they have a relationship with medicine that's very different, and a relationship with healing that's very different than our, you know, relationship with, you know, big pharma, pharmaceuticals, you know, that that medicine is helpful and very useful and save lives, and we're very grateful for it, and this is just different, you know, and so any time that you go into another culture, into another way of life, we're enhanced by it, you know. We're enhanced by a profound or a different understanding of what's possible for us. So when I take people down, they have the opportunity to have different kinds of healings, different kinds of opportunities that allow them to have a more expanded understanding of who who they are as an individual and what they have to offer, which I think ultimately is, you know, what we're here for. Who am I? What do I have to offer? How do I give myself to the world? How, what, what do I need to potentize my existence so that I can fully realize my potential and my destiny in this lifetime? And I believe strongly that visiting indigenous tribes around the world, they have so much wisdom for us. And going into the rainforest is a life-enhancing experience. Now, Sister Judy, you, I think, hinted earlier that you were, in a sense, looking for God in a way that you had not yet experienced the divinity directly. You had a... Uh, session with ayahuasca, which is known as an entheogen. It's a drug that many people say allows them to see God. Before you experienced that, were you starting to open up to the the magic of this rainforest spirit? And yes, tell us about that, that and then and then the, the everything that Sandra was... explained was uh, described what was was so pristine and so new and so ancient but new to me and and I was mm-hmm. getting into this wonderful setting this wonderful physical spot but I was also extremely depressed and and very angry and I would say almost suicidal I was sick I was I was depressed beyond description and uh so there i was just kind of lifeless and and then when i took ayahuasca um it it, it was a truth it was an opening i i realized um i saw 
I was, I, it, sh- it shocked me out of my denial. All the time I thought the rest of the, there's something wrong with the rest of the world. There's something wrong with my mother. There's something wrong with my family. Something wrong with the church. Something wrong with the Pope. Something wrong with the nuns. Something wrong with Sandra Morris. And, and I was fine. And until I, well, the minute I took ayahuasca or shortly thereafter, there was this, uh, I saw all the anger that I had ever created on the planet, that I had ever spewed out everywhere on the earth. And, and it was indeed, talk about depressing, um, it was a shocker. And, and I could see that I am my problem. And then, and then almost immediately thereafter, I had the, the the reverse of that, the other side of that coin, and I was shown um, all the love that I ever ever put out onto the earth, all the kids I ever taught, all the the people I ever stood up for in terms of justice, and and that was equally uh, mind blowing. And I was unaware of both of those two extremes in my life. And uh, with Sandra's help after that, and a lot of work on a spiritual practice I, uh, that was new to me, I, um, I found uh, kind of a balance between both of those two sides of the coin. But it never, I don't think I ever would have found the spirituality I was looking for um, in an organized religion. And I kept looking and looking, mm-hmm. and it didn't happen until, uh, until I just went and had the most ancient shamanic ritual of 3,000 years ago in a single moment, everything collided and exploded, and and uh, I found peace for the first time in my life. How fascinating! It's almost like the the veils between you and the reality of existence were drawn up aside, and you could see clearly for the first time. Yes, and that's what the Achuar. It's hard to explain the Achuar in terms of a dream culture, but that veil is in our way but that veil to them i don't even i can't even put it in words they just have a a a wisdom an ancient wisdom that somehow we have lost i don't even never met my grandparents but they go back and talk to their ancestors back generations and they are so connected with uh with each other and with the plants and and with life that they just breathe a different kind of a life than than we do and um it was just a transformative um, time for me. I'm glad I've been able to go five times with Sandra. Wow. One of the points that you make in the book is that religion tends to interpose itself between the individual and the divinity. And that is very different from the kind of bridge and sense of oneness that you seem to have achieved in this experience. Um, Do you think religion today is recognizing this disparity? For me, um, it didn't recognize, it didn't for me, and I don't, and I'm still a Dominican nun, and, and in some ways I'm awful as a nun, and in other ways I'm <laughs> the epitome of what I think a, a, a religious woman should be. But but I, I just, one more Hail Mary and Our Father was not going to do it. And and I, me, I, I thought, well, maybe a thousand more Hail Marys and a thousand more Our Fathers will do it. If one doesn't, a thousand will, or five thousand will. And finally I just exhausted myself 
in a tradition that wasn't meaningful for me and and it might be very meaningful for for others maybe people listening but there's probably a lot of listeners right now who are falling away catholics like sister jaguar and uh i say you know good fall fall in the direction of uh justice and fall into the direction of peace and it's a good it's good free fall and uh and um and it's and that to me is spirituality it's unrelated to religion Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sandra, what was it like when you first took ayahuasca? <laughs> well, first of all, it's not for everyone. And um, mm-hmm. the first time I did it, I mean, it was it was really a very challenging and difficult experience. I I had the good fortune of being able to take ayahuasca two days in a row, drink ayahuasca two days in a row, and. The first day was really, you know, rivers of blood and mountains of skulls and man's inhumanity towards man and uh, relentless having to come to terms with, you know, the parts of ourselves that are so afraid of each other that we massacre and annihilate and um, for millennia, right? We've been at each other. We've not been for each other. And it was a very difficult experience. And the only thing that got me through it was my breath. And I was grateful to be on the other side of it. And I was grateful I never had to drink it again. And um, the next day, the shaman came down and said, this group should drink it again, and especially this one, and pointed to me. And I just thought, There's, you're going to have to kill me. I just never drink that again. You know, why would anyone do that to themselves, really? That was horrific. And no thank you. And the next thing I knew, I was drinking it again. And it was this, almost it was though it was a continuum. On one end of the continuum was a man's inhumanity towards man and a kind of brutality that's undescribable that we all know about and have concerns about. And on the other end of the continuum was a kind of grace and love and connection and an experience that validated human existence. And so I was very, very happy to um, have had that experience to bookend the other experience. And still then I was very relieved and thought, oh, I'm so glad I never have to have this experience again, you know. Thank you, and but no thank you. But as I <laughs> left the jungle and entered into my life, my dreams became more informative, a little more prophetic, a little more connected. I felt relieved. I had, I had a sense of space inside of my own self, you know, a kind of freedom I'd been longing for that was based on experience, not based on, you know, anything else other than the medicine itself. So as I... As I returned home, I began to question what what was that, and where did this experience come from, and maybe I should try it again, and you know. And so since then, I'm 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 a big advocate, you know. And people know generally, you know. The first time I heard about ayahuasca, I knew I wanted to do it. I felt called to do it. It was like, yes, I want. I don't know what this is, but I want to have this experience. And often people report that. People often say to me, yes, I want to have this experience. Will you take me? I want to go, you know. We certainly don't go just for that reason, you know, but it's nice that they provide it. They open that up for us. They give us that opportunity to experience their culture and their tradition and their medicine. So I'm very deeply grateful to the Achuar and and all the other um, indigenous tribes in the Amazon basin that open this up for us Americans particularly because our idea of happiness and our idea of success 
is kind of upside down, you know, Kwanaskatsi out of balance. We've, we, we don't, we've, we've missed the point on a few things when it comes to life and mostly our relationship with the natural world, you know, it's, it's not what it appears to be. And, um, so thank goodness people are waking up to that now and people are speaking up and saying we value this, this is important to us. And so ayahuasca has, was a, big game changer for me it was this, like a giant if you i imagine my life to be a giant boat on the ocean and it was a slow turn you know and ayahuasca was a mm-hmm, part of that mm-hmm. very interesting what do you think is the i don't want to say attitude or understanding of the achuar people of the northerners the the westerners who come to visit the rainforest. Um, uh, what are they hoping to accomplish with them? Well, their, their request, what their desire is, is for us to change our relationship with consumption. They say that we don't need to consume so much. We don't need to take, we don't need to destroy the Earth's resources to throw things away. Their question is, when you throw something away, where's away? You know, it's all our precious earth. So they say that that the dream that we're dreaming is actually a dream of destruction. And is it possible for us to change our dreams, you know? So their desire is for us to become more aware and more conscious and more satisfied within our own self with less stuff, you know? It's challenging because our whole economy is based on consumption, so it's a big request, and it's a thoughtful request, and they love us. I mean, we're total, we're their television, you know, we're their entertainment. (laughs) They're thoroughly, they're thoroughly um, enthralled with us. They're very, the Autrart, you know, you've just never been with people who laugh so much and are so joyous and happy and... I mean, they have nothing. They have they have nothing. Literally, no electricity. They and they have a way um, that's it's kind of contagious. You know, you're with them, and then all of a sudden, you find wells of happiness within your own self. But they're they're serious people, and they're hardworking people, and they're re- they're saying, "Hey, guys, you know, we're in it together. There's no life ships on planet Earth. You know, there's no safety. What do you call them? Boats. You know, we're, this is it. So let's see if we can work together." Because the natural world is not a resource. It's a, we're related. The trees are our kin. The birds are our family. You know, we're all one. We're connected into the web of life. We, as Americans, don't dominate the web of life. So could we consider changing the dream? And when you take, go to the rainforest, that you, it's very easy to begin to honor that request, you know. It's, it's easy. It's easier mm-hmm. than we can imagine to step away from identifying ourselves with success being something equated with the amount of money we have or the amount of stuff that we, we own, you know. So it's a, it's a beginning of a shift of consciousness, a shift in paradigm, that affords us the opportunity to look without shame or regret or guilt or but look with a way through the eyes of opportunity and grace and wonder and yeah right you know truth about the truth is maybe less is more so mm-hmm. that's the invitation of the achuar sister jay how has your life changed since you started going well 
totally different. Uh, I'm 74 now, and um, I would say I'm much, obviously, I, I, I'm getting older, and I and I broke my leg five years ago, and it never healed, and, and I'm an invalid on some level, physically. Ironically, I'm so glad I got rid of my depression before that, or I really really would have mm-hmm. not been able to handle life and and um, my life has changed immensely but spiritually and physically and socially and and uh, there's a, a new community I, i'm still with the nuns and i love the nuns but there's a community in tucson that's much more um forgiving and giving and uh young and old and and, and people who are searching uh for their own spirituality within community and i find that just so life-giving and um and i pray differently than i ever have in the last five years and i write differently and read differently and and uh and just look at life differently with the, maybe with that i'm I still see the two sides of life. Unfortunately, I don't think the Achua really see the two sides of the coin. I think everything is so interwoven in their life that it's all just one tapestry of of unity. And uh, the more I, I, I don't think I'm destined to go to the rainforest and live. And I don't think they really want me there, or they don't want any of us there for long. I don't think. I don't. They don't. People say, "Well, I could never be an Achua," and I said, "Well, who, who's asking you to be an Achua?" We're asking, we're asking you to be a human being, and can you, if you can't move to the Amazon, can you move from your head to your heart? Can you move that far? Mm-hmm. And uh, I ask myself that question every day. Am I moving from my head to my heart, and can I make that that journey? And uh, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm I guess, asking of of everyone. Can we make that journey from our head to our heart? And the head is, to me, the north or the, the west, and uh, and. Uh, and the heart is the junk, is the Achwar spirituality. Can we make can we make that journey spiritually? And if we can, we're going to renew ourselves in ways that uh, I don't think we know right now as a country or as or as a planet. Are you still working with children? Oh, uh, they still call me and nag at me, and uh, they're kind of grown now. All the kids on the south side are. They call me regularly and tell me their woes, and I tell them to um, change their ways, and they'll change their woes. And um, I'm not so much working with them, but I just love them dearly. If I ever make a fortune on this book, I'm going to create a space in South Tucson where these kids can can uh, feel at home in South Tucson in, in a way that I don't think is provided for them now. But um, tell us, I, I tell just, us a little about yeah. the the schools that you started. Well, they were again a statement, um, a, a protest, really. I, I thought if I ever can create a school, uh, I'm, it's going to be different than how I was raised, and I was raised pretty pretty well, really. It's going to be different than the Catholic schools I was in. It's going to be different than the the, the public school. It's going to be different than private schools. And if I ever get the chance, it's going to be a um, it's going to be a, a, a way of being and a way of looking at kids that they're they don't have to be fixed and they're okay as they are and they're to be um, encouraged to to think outside the box and they're encouraged to become whatever they want to become and and uh, really I'll always be a teacher no matter what no matter how old I am I'll always be a teacher I think the book and the DVD are 
just is my new classroom. Just talking to you right now, this is, I say I got rid of the chalkboard and the blackboard and the whiteboard, and, and here we are um, still teaching, hopefully, today through this conversation. And, um, and uh, I don't regret at all that, that long journey from my, my head to my heart. I'm glad, it, I'm glad I got it on in this life and didn't have to come back and do it again. So it actually uh, was profoundly healing on many, many levels for you. Totally, yeah. totally. And even when life isn't all that great, even when it, it, I call myself the three-legged jaguar, you know, even when I'm dragging one leg, at least I'm not continuously shooting myself in the foot while I, while I drag the one leg. Um, I can understand pain and, and, and put it in a perspective that's, that's different than, uh, than suffering, really. I was reflecting as I was listening to both of you describe your ayahuasca experiences on the similarities between that and the reports of people who have experienced near-death experiences when they talk about their life review because they see the, the whole spectrum, good and bad. They see all the people that they have hurt but also all the people that they have assisted uh, in their lifetime, so um, it, it sounds like a really uh, amazing experience. People come on the trip and they elect not to um, participate in that experience. Uh, they may want to participate just in terms of helping or, uh, you know, uh, observing. Many people have benefited from just being in the presence of it, and also. The, the process of integration, you know, people share about their experience and what happened to them. So you don't have to be in it to benefit from it. You know, we benefit tremendously from each other through sharing our experiences. So, I mean, I don't, I don't have to have had some of the experiences you had. I can still benefit from it. So, yes, mm-hmm. that's, an, that's an option. And, and the experience of... Um, of plant medicine across the board is to help braid together the intelligence that emanates from the brain, the intelligence that emanates from the heart, and the intelligence that emanates from the gut. You know, they're very different information systems, and when they operate together in union so that your head is working with your heart and they're both working with the gut, then you're, you know, that's the, that now you're in the field of understanding how to fully potentize yourself. So what do you think is going to happen to the Achua people? What are your hopes for their future? What's happening with the Achua right now is the you know, oil drilling in their territory, and um, up north in the uh, in Ecuador, there was a terrible um, environmental disaster, and um, they're hoping that they don't have to have oil drilled in their land. You know, they are hoping that we'll change our relationship with fossil fuels so that all of the rainforest is left. Um, pristine, and that our consumptive relationship with fossil fuels will alter and change and will become more responsible, and they'll be able to maintain the lifestyle that they've maintained for millennia. So our hope for them is that 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 goal is realized for them and that the wisdom of the South is braided with uh, the intelligence of the North, that we know how to live comfortably, and somehow or another the two worlds can 
you know, fly together in the same sky. The two understandings of life can benefit from each other so that we can embrace the wisdom of the South and they can embrace the, you know, our technological advancements from the North and we can find a harmonious way to live together. I was curious about the notion of introducing technology and, you know, Western culture to this indigenous population, how do you think it would affect their spirituality? Do you think it would um, dilute it or bastardize it in any way? No, not completely. Go ahead, Sister Jay. Okay. I think that um, the Achuar are wise to us. And we come marching in there to their village with our with our cameras and our cell phones and, and uh, whatever we you know in our digital world, and uh, they the kids seem intrigued. The little kids like to see themselves on the screen, um, but I, I, would it would solar energy help them get cleaner water or? Speaking as a woman from the north, I would say I would like to see some limited technology if they want it. What do they want? Uh, do they do they want solar um, energy in the in the school? Do they want, what do they want? I guess not. Not what do we think we have to offer them? I think they could live very well without our technology. Um, but maybe you know maybe they. I, th- I think the medicine, they, they do a lot with their shamanism, but but I've seen them when we were there. They say, well, do you have anything for pink eye? And we're rooting through our purses trying to find something for pink eye. Or um, mm-hmm. do you have mm-hmm. something for this baby that needs a Pedialyte? You know, I mean, there's just so many. What if, what if they had to be taken from, from in a bush plane out of the jungle to for, for a broken leg or, or a, a bite of a, of a snake or um, I think they would certainly be wanting that and uh, there, there, there has to be a way where we can combine the best of both worlds without without um, sacrificing they'll never sacrifice their spirituality they'll never give up uh, the, their pristine land they will fight to the death to keep oil out they know what their values are. Do they yearn for, um, I don't for a, an egg to eat or milk to, I don't know what they yearn for. Um, I guess I'm too busy trying to figure out what I yearn for. But somewhere between the, the <laughs> two worlds is, is the correct, is the right balance. You told the story, the very poignant story of the uh, young mother who lost her two babies and then uh, died herself. That That must have been heartbreaking. For you in particular, Sandra, because you knew her very well, is that right? Well, yes, it was very heartbreaking for me. Um, uh, it was heartbreaking to see her, um, you know, a mother lose both of her children, and and you wonder, you know, if if the heartbreak isn't what killed her ultimately, you know. But yeah, it would have been nice to have been able to do something for her and for her children and to save her. And But, you know, that was a difficult moment for all of us. It was a difficult moment for the shaman because it was his daughter and his two grandchildren. So it was challenging. Yeah. 
And one of the ways that technology has benefited them is that um, they now have solar-powered walkie-talkies so the communities can talk to each other without having to get in their canoes and take a five-hour trip down, you know, the, the mm-hmm. you know, Pastasa River to be in contact. So they have a, that's been very beneficial to them. It's also given them a source of power because they can stay connected, you know, and, and the fight that they're up against is it's necessary that they stay connected. So there's ways that technology has already benefited them and they're deeply grateful for it. Yes, you you think of the revolution that even things like war uh, and and terrorism have benefited from technology, as well as on the good side. So it's it's very much a double-edged sword, but in this case, it's on the side of the angels. So yes, uh, what uh, do people do to learn more about your trips, Sandra and, and Sister Jay? Are, are, are you still going on the trip, Sister Jacqua? Well, I, Sandra keeps telling me every day I'm going on the trip, whether I want to or not, and I would, I, I certainly would So you just to salute and say, yes, ma'am? <laughs> I say, yes, sister. No, I'm through saying yes, sister. <laughs> I'm through with all that authority figure stuff. But But anyway, I would love to go. But if I can't go, I can certainly go in my dreams, and in, I, I go every day anyway. You know, it's like spirituality. I can, I don't have to take ayahuasca to, uh, to, to, to re, to re-experience that 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 mystical moment. And um, I think anybody who could go uh, with Sandra on one of these eco trips, eco tours, or retreats would benefit tremendously on a variety of levels. And if you can do it. Do it if you can't. I would say find another find another way to break through um, what it, whatever's stopping you from that journey from your from your head to your heart. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's photography. Maybe it's dance. Maybe it's a good friend. Maybe it's good food. A good prayer. Maybe it's sitting doing nothing. I don't know. Find a way uh, to make your your spiritual practice um, profound. Mm-hmm. And you're welcome. If you want to come and you feel called to come, we're going in April and we're going again in September, and you can find out details. Just go to Sister Jaguar's Journey and you can get a hold of us and we'll give you more details, and we're happy to have you. Is that sisterjaguarsjourney.com? Yes. Yes. <laughs> a minor detail. <laughs> right. Yes. And I and if, assume and that... If, Yes, if, carry you, on. if you buy the book, um, we want the Achuar to win. And uh, I just think every time somebody buys a book for $20, it's like we're going to buy uh, school supplies or we're going to buy a soccer ball and we're going to come in and, and uh, give give what Celestino wants us to bring. If it's a chicken, whatever Celestino asks us to bring in, we're going to bring it in. And so just mm-hmm. know that when you buy the book, you're really buying a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> And okay. getting a good story. Uh, I've got that visual, right? <laughs> <laughs> Were you going to say something, Sandra? Oh, I was just going to say that not only are you contributing to the Achuar, but you're also getting a good story. You know, Sister Judy's story is a good story, so it's worth reading. 
Well, actually, I was going to say the same thing. It's not just Sister Judy's story, but it's the perspective that one gets on uh, the inside of everything from becoming a nun, which I had never really understood before, um, to the trials and tribulations that you endured in trying to start up these alternative schools and the wonderful thinking behind them and just the life of a rebel that you demonstrated in the book, uh, the, the, the power of your anger to uh, push through all of the uh, obstacles that you had to push through. And then the latter part of the book, when you talk about the people in the, the rainforest, their spirituality, the, the day-to-day life of these people, the, the heartbreak uh, that we just described of, of losing um, children and losing people to disease, um, which you kind of think uh, that uh, indigenous people are immune to, but they're not. I mean, they're, they're very much like us, but what really pulls the book together is, I think, the central message of the book, which is that we are literally all one. We are one with all life. We are one with each other. We are one with the planet, with Pachamama. The, the character of Pachamama really comes through as an individual in her own right. So I want to warmly commend the authors and recommend this book to our listeners. It's an enthralling, engrossing read, and it tells a story of such um, poignancy and connection that I think you will come away uh, deeply affected and um, inspired uh, to look at our planet through new eyes. So, um, Sister Jay and, and Sandra, uh, are there any messages you would like to leave with our listeners? I'd like to just say fall forward. You're going to trip up, but just fall forward and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and keep struggling, keep trying. You can do it. Don't give up at 68. What if I had given up at 68? Yeah. I would say, you know that we're far more resilient than anybody ever talks about. Human beings, it is our nature. Resiliency is our nature. So in this particular moment in time, I would invite everybody who's listening to really understand that we live in an extraordinary moment, and as a species, we are an extraordinary species. And, you know, I challenge you to become a and contribute to them, and get involved with them. It's an, uh, Lynn and Bill Twist are two role model and very inspiring human beings. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've, I've had the, uh, the privilege of um, hearing Lynn uh, at um, Gene Houston's Mystery School. It, it's amazing what wonderful work they're doing and uh, how passionate they are about it. Yeah, they passion, inspire. Passion is something absolutely passion is something that is really very close to anger it's it's the engine that can drive us so rather than turning that passion against yourself in anger 
turn it to doing good in the world. Sister Judy Bisignano and Sandra Morse, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. And thank you for listening, my dear listeners. And be with us next week. Until then, much love and many blessings. Goodbye.